0: Welcome to the Cash Flow Guys podcast. Alrighty boys and girls, it's that time again. We're back for another week, and let's let's learn to earn about some wholesaling stuff, huh? How this came about. This episode is uh, got a somebody listens to the show that is trying to get break out into wholesaling, and had some questions that I I think I've addressed them in the past, but I know I got a lot of episodes, and I thought I would kind of rehash some of these things and maybe explain them from a little different angle, make them a little bit more uh, easy to understand. And go from there because these are things that are common misconceptions in the wholesaling space. And I thought, well, what the heck? If we can go ahead and get them squared away now, then we'll make less mistakes and therefore make more money. And, hey, I'm all about making more money, right? So, first of all, I hope you guys are having a great week. I hope you got out there and made something happen this week. If you haven't already spoken to me, if you haven't got on the horn with me and got your questions answered, got you uncluttered, if you haven't gone to cashflowguys.com forward slash ask Tyler. Get on the phone with me. Let me know how I can help you. Let me know how I can help you get unstuck and get things going to the next level. Guys, I'm not going to I set this time aside to help you. Okay? There's no pitch. There's no sales. There's no gimmicks. There's no guru course, no coaching pitch, none of that stuff on these calls. Lots of folks that have taken advantage of these calls. I've actually gone into the iTunes uh, reviews and said those very same things, that they were shocked that I, even though I say I'm not going to upsell you, that I actually didn't upsell you because if I say I'm not going to do something, I'm not going to do it. Bottom line. So anyway, if you want to get help get uncluttered, maybe take things on the next level, if you're focused on trying to figure out what do you do first, right? How do you get this monster going? How do you get financially free? What comes first, the chicken or the egg? Should I wholesale? Shouldn't I wholesale? All those good things. Let's get on the phone. Let's have a conversation and maybe we can help you sort that out. So this week, the question that came in talked about some problems that or some questions actually that have come up as this new person, her name is Liz. As she has Started her venturing down the road of being a wholesaler, or you know, adding value to the community. She doesn't. She's not yet at the mindset where she feels she can keep any properties. Which I struggle with. I'll be honest with you. I, I that's why a lot of times I don't teach wholesaling so much, is because I believe it's limiting. I think that when people say I'm a wholesaler, I think they're limiting themselves. You know, I was taught to say, I'm a wholesaler. I'm this, I'm that. And at the end of the end of the day, guys, that's not really a badge of honor. It's kind of like saying it's the same thing as a realtor. Really, at the end of the day, it's it's no different than really being a realtor, except for the fact that you're not, you don't have a license. So this has been my struggle. So I'm going to say this before we can get started to you wholesalers out there. Guys, if you're able to negotiate good deals that make sense, keep one. And you're thinking, well, I don't have the money. I don't have the time, yada, yada, yada. There's all these different excuses. Boys and girls... You can overcome, I can overcome every objection that you would ever come up with when it comes to why you should just focus less on wholesaling great deals to other people and focus more on how can I keep this? How can I put money in my pocket every month, no matter what, and get this done? Now, if I I get it, if you're normally, if you're schlepping those broken down houses that are rotten and moldy and smell like a gym locker and you don't want to get into heavy rehab, I get all that. I, I totally get it. But you, what you'll find is that if you're out there as a wholesaler on a regular basis and this is like kind of your thing, you're going to come across a lot of nice properties that are pretty much turnkey. And when these opportunities present themselves, well, go pull the trigger, make it happen. Walk in there and ask yourself, how can I keep this? Make that your very first question. So with that, let's go ahead and dive into her questions. And she says, um, starts out with saying, if I bring any property, to a potential buyer, cash or not, is it a great deal? And, or, and it's a great deal. Wouldn't I risk the buyer just acquiring it without me since I gave them the address and the contact info? Well, the answer is no, or it depends, really. And it really comes down to structure. Now, there's lots of different ways I could answer this question. There's lots of different things that people do to make sure that doesn't happen. But here's the thing. If you live in scarcity, in other words, if I go through my life thinking someone's going to rip me off, guess what's going to happen? Someone's going to rip me off. Instead, I focus on gauging the type of people that I share information with in the first place, okay? And by that, I mean I'm risk adverse by nature, okay? Uh, As a student of Larry Harbolt, Larry teaches a little course called Land Trust, Investing with Land Trust, and the land trust is a way to protect, to keep your holdings anonymous. And I can tell you, one of my daughters got in a car accident several years ago, and it was a matter of days. The other party's attorney was already tracking me down. Trying to figure out what I own, yada, yada, yada. So, I, since then, that really was a wake up call. And of course, I've taken Larry's course on land trust several times. As a matter of fact, it's coming up uh, as I record this, it's coming up this coming weekend. And I really started paying attention to how exposed I am to liability. That said, I don't necessarily share dirty details with the, with the general public because let's be honest, folks, there's some wackadoodles out there. That said, when you got a wholesale deal and you have buyers that you first built a rapport with, you've gone out and maybe broke bread, you've had a cup of coffee, you've talked to them, you've met them face-to-face. If they were to backdoor you, number one, most markets are small in anyway, I don't care if you're doing deals in New York City, word gets around. If, if you're a dirtbag, people are going to know about it. Trust me, in Tampa Bay, we've got a, a quite a pile of dirt bags, but we also have a nice pile of good investors, people that have a reputation for always doing what they say they're going to do, always closing when they're supposed to, not playing silly games. So good news travels fast just like bad news travels fast. That said, when you immerse yourself in the industry and you talk to other people, get to know some of the other people that are wholesaling ethically in your market. And what I mean by ethically is they're not out there lying, cheating, stealing, and strong arming people into doing deals. When you find people that are just out there providing value, they're, they're working with buyers and they're providing them a consistent stream of good deals that make sense and meet the buyer's criteria, those are people you want to spend time with. Maybe you start out mentoring under one of those people. How do you find out who those people are? Well, maybe you go in this case, you go to a real estate meeting or you go to places where they may congregate. Maybe there's a a breakfast club or something. They're getting together for breakfast and start shaking hands and getting to know them. Maybe offer to bring some value to these wholesalers that you want to emulate. Like, for example, maybe you're going out driving for dollars for them or maybe you're, you're skip tracing for them. Yes, it's an investment of your time, but it's something that a wholesaler may have to normally pay for. I'm talking about skip tracing or invest their own time in doing, and maybe you can learn how to do that. Now, skip tracing isn't rocket science. I'm pretty good at it because I'm a former police officer. It's not hard to learn how to skip trace. You know, you think about it, everything is public record these days. You know, going online, there's a wealth of information at your fingertips. Get out there and apply some common sense. If you want, get some grabs on YouTube video, you know, read some, watch some YouTube videos and teach yourself that skill. And that's just one example. ways you can help somebody that has more experience and you can bring value to them. Now I know that a lot of times that when you try to do this, a lot of times you get shot down. I get it. Trust me. I have people, I get an email at least every week where someone says, Hey, I can, I don't know. I'll wash your car. If you coach me, it's like, that's not how this works. Or I can help you with lead generation. It's like, I'm already an expert lead generation. I appreciate it, but I'm better at lead generation probably than you are because as a real estate investor, I control my marketing. I understand, I do my market. I am the brains behind my marketing program. That way, I understand real estate investing and I understand what the sellers are thinking and the marketing people do not. So for that is in that example, a marketer exchanging services, for me, doesn't have the same amount of value. And frankly, when I look at the cost of, of acquisition per lead versus what a marketer would want, a piece of the deal or something like that, things aren't balanced. So that said... What do you have? There's all kinds of skills that you already have out there that you can bring to an existing investor or an existing wholesaler's business that they may not even know they need. Think outside the box. I can't give give you all of them right here and there, right here and now, but think about the different ways, the different things you can do to help somebody that's already doing what you want to do. This applies if you're buying apartment buildings or mobile home parks, or you want to learn how to raise money, or you want to be a wholesaler, or whatever you want to do. If you think about the people that you want to be around Find somebody that's a little bit more successful than you are and figure out a way that you can bring them value. The worst they can say is no. It's unfortunate. I have to say no a lot because I get these offers a lot, but I still admire the folks that have the, the the stones to ask in the first place. They got the guts to try to add value or, or bring something to there. And there have been cases that I've done these type of situations. The problem I've had is that early on, I didn't do a good job of screening the people that I... I made trade for services for and they didn't hold up their end of the bargain, which is well, I guess I could say disappointing at the at the least. So that said, getting back to the question, what do you do? How do you protect yourself from a buyer stealing your lead? Well in the first place, if you've invested time with them, then they're somebody that you've established no like and trust. So I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say most people aren't are not going to do that in the first place. Okay. They're not gonna take your lead. They're gonna see the value that you've done now. That said, if you're all sheepish and, you know, if you're making Two hundred thousand, a million dollars off of the deal that's a different story so even if you're up front with them and and clear and then there's nothing hidden they have no reason to backdoor you because at the end when they do you're not going to give them any more leads and frankly bad news travels fast like we said they're going to get a reputation for that and people are going to stop bringing them leads you can imagine how that would play out in other words that investor is going to have a real hard time getting leads out of anybody because nobody's going to trust them to give them leads in the first place. So think about that for a second. If it's somebody that does a lot of deals, you got a buyer that does a lot of deals, they don't have any incentive to screw you, really. And a good example of that is A guy by the name of Lee Kearney. Lee Kearney is a big deal in Florida. I mean, this dude does a ton of deals. He owns a real estate brokerage company, yet he still buys from brokers. He buys from wholesalers. He buys from hedge funds. He buys from anybody that brings him something that matches his criteria. He never, at least as far as I know, backdoors any of those lead sources because it doesn't really matter to him, provided that the numbers make sense based on his buying criteria. So the people that reach out to Lee and determine what his company's buying criteria is and then bring deals that match that criteria to them or bringing value. So let's go back to you. If you are out there, like if I tell you that I want, I'm only inv- only interested in um, two to four unit properties in the Tarpon Springs area, of Florida, and you bring me something that is a 600 unit in Atlanta, then you're wasting my time because I don't want a 600 unit building in Atlanta. I only want properties within a certain radius of where I live. So there's a few markets that I invest in, and I only want properties within those parameters. And I want you to ask me up front and get crystal clear on my buying criteria, because when you bring me something that that is an exact or very close match to my buying criteria, you're providing me a ton of value because you're saving me a ton of time. I realize that. Any buyer that is a good buyer will also realize that. And let's be honest, we have we all have spidey senses, and sometimes you can just feel that the person you're dealing with is kind of a shyster so although you really want them to part with that that money and do the deal for you so you can make your five grand or whatever your fee is if, you, if it walks like a duck, pretty good chance it's a duck go look at their, their Facebook profile there's some serious bottom feeders out there in the industry and the buyer. so I totally get where you're coming from when it's like is this guy going to screw me? I know several people out there that will screw you in a heartbeat but here's the deal, everybody knows it so when you start talking to everybody and finding out who the good people are And who the bad people are, although people might not want to talk so much about the bad people, focus on who people say are the good people and only deal with them. Because the reality is, as a wholesaler, you don't need a big, massive buyer's list. You don't need a 1,000 people on your buyer's list. You need a core group of about 20, maybe 30 people tops that are buying. And it should be that you are only providing them deals that fit their criteria. In other words, a single-family guy should not be showing multifamily properties to. That said, if a single-family guy says, I'll take anything that looks like a deal in the state of Florida... That's not a real serious buyer. That probably what you have is another wholesaler, okay? You've got somebody who is not themselves focused on their individual buying criteria. That means that you're going to have a difficult time finding something within their criteria. And frankly, I think that person would be a higher risk to maybe overlook your relationship, okay? There are people out there that teach investors to go around real estate brokers. I think this is terrible advice. There are people out there that teach that you should uh, talk make sure your sellers, whatever they do, don't get in front of an attorney. I also think this is terrible advice. I encourage my sellers to work with their own attorney. Why? Well, number one, I have nothing to hide because I'm not a bottom feeder. Number two, although an attorney sometimes can be a royal pain in the ass to the deal, they have a place in this world. They have a need to fill because the need is that the seller is uncertain. They're not unclear. They're Nervous? Maybe they don't understand the paperwork. Maybe they need a second set of eyes to think for them. Don't discourage people from from taking the steps they need. I want to talk to my Aunt Susie's cat's therapist. Great, let's get him on the phone and have a conversation. Embrace this, okay? So when you're that type of wholesaler, if you're out there that person that's bringing value, and the other person is savvy enough to recognize it, which is the only person you should be dealing with, then you should not have this problem. Now, yes, you can get them to sign contracts and all this other stuff, but. If on the first day that we meet, you're stuffing a contract in my, in my face, I don't have time for you. Okay. And second of all, I don't sign any contracts that my attorneys have not reviewed. Therefore, the only way I'm going to spend money to have an, my, one of my attorneys review your contract that you probably downloaded off of bigger pockets or something that was made for somebody in Alaska, I'm going to have to decide right then and there, are you somebody that I think I'm going to do business with? And nine times out of 10, the answer is going to be No because you're so paranoid or at least you present yourself as being so paranoid that I'm going to screw you. We haven't even talked about the fact that you screwed me. So instead, let's spend more time focusing on dealing with people that you generally have a good relationship with, that you spent, invested some time with more than just five minutes at the back room of a real estate meeting, but you've gone out maybe had a cup of coffee with them and they've shared with you what they're doing and and how they're doing it. Maybe you visited some of the, if they're a flipper, maybe you visited some of their projects so that you know they're the real deal because understand this guys, a lot of the folks that are out there that claim to be buyers are posers. They're broke. They don't have any money. They don't know anybody that has money. They haven't done the work. Sometimes they're as green as you are. They're just full of shit. They're better at bullshit than you are. So think about that. Maybe that's the case. Maybe you're dealing with a bullshitter. How do you get around dealing with a bullshitter? Well, go out for a cup of coffee with them. Go do that. Hey, you got anything you're working on now? Are you doing any flips right now? Oh, you are cool. Hey, I always like to learn more about flipping. Would it be possible I could pop by and take a look at the job? Say that'd be awesome. What's the address? When they start balking, now sometimes they may balk because they don't want you bothering them. But if you have those opportunities, you can see that, oh, well, this is a real buyer and a real buyer is not going to risk their reputation because it's too great. Okay. It's just too much of a, of a risk to put out there for them to lose their reputation. Okay. Now the second thing she asked is, uh, in, the forefront of this is I always give advice to anybody that's buying property. I don't care if you're a realtor that's listing a property or you are a buyer that is buying a property or a wholesaler that's that's putting one under contract. You should always have a good idea, a good understanding of what the seller is going to do with the proceeds of the sale. Because if you understand that information, then you can provide an offer that makes even more sense to them than what they actually thought. And And here's an example. In every case, I ask this question, absolutely every case. And I can tell you out of Probably a thousand times I've asked that question or more, probably more than that. I haven't noticed. I'm not saying I've done a thousand deals. I'm saying I've asked it a thousand times. I have never been turned down. Well, I take that back. Once I've been, somebody said, I'm just not going to tell you. And what I, my response was, is that I can't give you an offer that's going to meet your needs unless I have a good idea of what you're going to do with the funds. I'm sorry. And I walked out and that was the end of it. Now I've had people question it, why I'm asking. And I tell them is because there are a hundred different ways that I can buy your house. So there are some ways that are going to benefit you more than others. And, and it's my focus to make sure that the offers that I put out benefit you the most. So the more I know about your situation, the better an offer I can make you. So please, I know that sound, maybe sounds intrusive or whatever, but it's a very, very important. Think of me like a real estate doctor. There are lots of different ways I can do this deal. Lots of different ways. My goal is to make sure that whatever way that we wind up presenting, which will be several, I'll give you several different choices so that you can make an informed decision, that the choices I give you make absolute sense for you. You wouldn't want me, Mr. Jones, making an offer that makes you no sense, would you? Well, no. Okay, then. And then they tell you, well, I need to have surgery. I need 20 grand, for example. Great. Awesome. Now we're talking about a whole different thing the what the reason why, and Liz asks, she goes, can you please elaborate on why I should ask the seller's plans of the proceeds uh, are when they sell the property, it's not too intrusive. Now you may think it's intrusive because you may not want to answer the question, but that doesn't mean then that that your, your interpretation of this uh, would be the same as a seller. A lot of sellers, I can tell you 99.9% of the time, nobody even balks at it. They just say, Oh, cause I want to buy, I don't know, a strip club, or I'm going to go buy a bar. Or I'm going to taking my wife on a vacation or whatever they're going to do. Fine. But I want to know because here's the thing. Let's say they want to buy a bar. Oh, you want to buy a bar. That's cool. What makes you want to buy a bar? Well, I've always wanted to be a bartender and I'm already a drunk. So that's great. Awesome. So let me ask you if I could bring you a bar that was worth more than this house, is that something you'd be willing to trade for? Heck yeah. All right, deal. Let me ask you this. Let's flip that around. Let's say you didn't ask the question and you the guy wanted a hundred grand for his house so that he could buy a bar worth a hundred grand. And you gave him a hundred grand for the house. And then he went to go find a bar for a hundred grand. He couldn't find one. Well, now the guy's got a hundred grand, but no bar. And what if he finds out that all the bars started 150,000? Well, he still has a problem. You have not solved the seller's problem because he's fifty thousand dollars short from buying the bar he wants because you were too scared to ask him the question that he need that you need the answer to so that you could help him in the first place okay Larry Harbold gives a great example of this in his never step into a bank program he talks about the guy doing a needing an RV He needed an RV because he wanted to take his wife around the country sound familiar in an RV no this wasn't me this was somebody else a long time ago but Larry wound up doing the deal or Larry one of his friends did the deal they went out and bought a guy an RV And they were able to buy the RV at a significant discount, far less money than what the seller had planned on paying, but it was exactly what the seller wanted. So he got like a, I don't know, he got like a 30% discount off the property simply because he asked the seller what they're going to do with the money. So think about how that can benefit you, okay? Remember, guys and girls, a wholesaler's job, number one, is to bring value to the marketplace. So if you ask yourself this question, whatever I'm doing in this deal Am I bringing value to the marketplace? That means the marketplace involves more than just the buyer and more than just the seller, okay? Are both parties benefiting from this transaction is this a win-win for both the buyer, the seller, and me if I'm the middle man in the middle, right? Or middle woman. The second part of your job is to negotiate on behalf of buyers. Your job is to bring great deals to buyers because you have first talked to a buyer, built rapport with them, you understand their buying criteria to a T, and you go out and negotiate on their behalf because, frankly, you're better at it or you have more time than they do. Lots of different reasons why that would be the case. Who are we to judge? But when you can bring value to the table like that, then you're deserved to get paid. Going back to will they screw me or not? Well the answer is if you're knocking their head off and they tell you that the most they want to spend for a three two is two hundred and fifty grand, and you strong armed them into three twenty five when ARV, which makes me chuckle every time I hear that, when ARV is three fifty, then you probably deserve to get backdoored. That's just how it goes, because you haven't brought value to the equation. So let's back up. We know what the sellers, why the sellers selling. We know what they're going to do with the the money. We know why our buyers buying. We simply need to have a meeting of the minds and go out and negotiate a great deal on behalf of our buyer. Lock it up under contract. Don't hide what you're making. There's no reason to double close, boys and girls. If you double close, that means you have something to hide. When you when you do business and you're constantly having to hide things from people, you should probably question, or you will be questioned, why you feel the need to hide things. Why is it such a secret? Real estate deals are not Area 51 material, guys. So just be transparent. I'm not saying you have to wave a flag saying I'm making 50 grand of assignment fee off of you, but I can tell you right now, I don't really care what somebody makes on a deal. When I, if I was to buy from them, provided that my criteria was met, I only care about my criteria, dude. If you go out and get a fourplex for 10 grand and sell it to me for 200. Good on you. Uh, Knock yourself out, baby. Hundred ninety thousand dollars. All right. I'll shake a hand, pat you on the back, and I hope you enjoy your time in Key West. Great doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is that I got that fourplex that's performing like crazy, and I got it for two hundred grand or less. That's what matters to me. Me beating you up on your fee or what you're gonna make doesn't really help Tyler one bit. That's why I'm all about making sure that vendors get paid. Let's talk about that for a second. Getting paid. Don't feel guilty for what you charge, provided that you're bringing value to the table. I will never be accused of being the cheapest agent in town. There are agents out there that will sell your house for 1%. Hell, there are agents out there that will sell your house and give you their Rolls Royce for 1%. They'll give away the moon and the stars and what that. Those are realtors that suck at what they do. They're not good at marketing. They have a lack of leads. So the only way they can get service is to discount below what the services fees normally are. Okay, they don't, they, they'll do things for cheap because it's like going to the grocery store, right? Do you buy the cheap meat or do you buy the quality meat? Well, that pork is turning a little green, but man, it's only 99 cents a pound. It's the same thing, guys. That's one that's a green realtor that's that's dropping their fees like that. Same thing, don't expect wholesalers. If you guys are out there as flippers or buyers, don't expect wholesalers to do every deal for $2,500 assignment fee or five grand. Bottom line is, did they meet your criteria? And if they're doing their job, if the wholesaler is doing their job, they should be negotiating exactly to what you asked them to negotiate with. Anything they make off the deal doesn't really matter, provided you got your number. Use that fourplex example. If I want to be under 200K on a, on a concrete block, 80s construction, fourplex in a nice neighborhood, and you bring me a deal that's 200K or less, I could care less what you make. The, the way to help this, boys and girls, those of you that are investors that are buying, stop beating up the wholesalers on how much they make. Doesn't matter how much they make. The question you have to ask them is Did you bring me a deal that met my criteria? Yes or no? If the answer is no, then t- throw them back in the water and tell them to go back, come back when they got something that makes sense. Which leads me to it's okay to say no. Wholesalers, you don't have to put everything that you talk to under contract. Don't do that. If it doesn't meet your buyer's criteria and you're asking, well, I don't know who my buyer is yet because I'm working on a buyer's list, but I'm going to go out and get things under contract first. Wrong answer. Don't do that. Don't put anything under contract unless you have a specific buyer that you're negotiating for. Why is that? Because you're not a realtor, number one. And I know that every wholesaler in town does it the other way. But here's the deal. Most wholesalers fail. The failure rate on wholesaling is like 99.9%. So why would you fall in even try to put yourself in that 99% of failures. Instead, go out and find a couple buyers. It's not rocket science. Go find a couple buyers. Go take them out for a cup of coffee. Get them on the phone. Find out why they buy, what they're buying, how they're paying for it. Do they want terms or not? How about a bank loan? Is that, are they using a bank loan? Do they understand they don't have to be a cash buyer, that you are such a good negotiator that you're able to get terms on property sometimes? And some of you are going, but I'm not a good negotiator, Tyler. I can't get terms. Well, here's the deal. If you suck at negotiating, why are you wholesaling? Don't wholesale. Go work garage sales until you're better at negotiating. Once you get good at negotiating, get on out there and get you some. But you got to be able you can't negotiate if you don't know what you're negotiating for. You're determining ARV, okay? ARV after repair value. That was invented by Ron LeGrand. It's an it's a three letters he pulled out of his ass. You don't know what ARV is. You're not an appraiser, and frankly, if you're not the buyer, you can't determine the value because the only person that can determine the value of the property is the person buying it. Period. I understand that appraisers are hired to go out and determine value, but at the end of the day, the true value of a property is what a buyer is willing to pay for it. Well, if you have no buyer, then what the hell are you negotiating for? What you think a person you don't know and have yet to meet will pay for something? That's ludicrous. That's ridiculous. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. That's like me guessing and saying, When I guess when I priced the I did the mailbox money mastermind. Okay, I priced I asked I asked my people that listen to the show. I asked people that are part of Cashflow Guys community, here's what I'm going to provide. What do you think a fair price for this would be? What would you pay for it if you were involved in this? And the answer was five grand. So guess what the price was? Five grand. Gee, that's not hard. I asked people, number one, what do you want? And they told me what they wanted. And then they said, I asked them how much they wanted to pay for it. They said five grand. Guess what the price was? Five grand. No, I I'm mean, yes, I'm repeating myself. But for a point, okay. Hey, Mr. Seller, Mr. Buyer, why do you want to buy a 3 2 house? Because I flip them great. Do you flip them with your own money? No, I use hard money. Ooh, that sounds expensive. Hey, let me ask you if I could get terms on this thing, maybe a delayed gratification for the seller, got all kinds of structures here. If I could do something that required less of you you having to borrow less hard money, would that make sense? And then most flippers are going to say, hell to the yeah, I'll be all over that. So, See, you asked the question. Now, you got a loyal buyer. Trust me, if you learn how to do seller finance deals and you're bringing seller finance deals to flippers, you're going to have flippers standing in line. You're going to have buyers, real buyers, buyers that are not going to backdoor you standing in line. As the saying goes, the riches are in the niches. Why was I so successful when I did wholesale deals? And to this day, if I have a wholesale deal, it ne- you'll never see it come across that email ever, ever. Why? Because I only do, I only find properties for buyers, right? So if I know Timmy Tulips is looking for a, a duplex and Timmy wants to pay under 150 for a duplex and Timmy ain't got but 20 grand to put down, I'm going to go negotiate a deal for Timmy Tulips and figure out a way to put that deal together where it makes sense. And when I do bring that deal over, do you think Timmy's going to try to backdoor me? Hell no, because Timmy wants another deal. Timmy knows that we're not going to cross Tyler because Tyler will never give me another deal. Guys, think about the possibilities here when you are doing things outside the box. Think about maybe you've got resources for private capital. Maybe you've got, uh, you know, some private money folks that you've met in your travels. Not hard money lenders, real investors. Maybe you met somebody with an IRA that is just looking to deploy their capital. Maybe you could introduce Timmy to John and then they do a deal together. And guess what? You might not get a piece of that. And that's okay because there's a little thing called karma. It's called doing good deals and doing it right. And you can introduce these two parties together and let them break bread and do business. And you don't necessarily have to have your foot in the door every time that happens. You can use this as a means of creating goodwill. Imagine that, goodwill amongst men and women in the United States. Why wouldn't that be awesome? So when you create these goodwill situations, folks, you are going to build a stronger, more meaningful buyers list. You're going to get more deals done. You're going to make more money. Your buyers are going to be more happy. They're going to tell other people what an amazing job that you're doing by bringing value to the marketplace, and everybody is going to win. Sellers are going to give you testimonials because you wrote offers that made sense. You didn't fail, right? You didn't promise what you couldn't deliver. You didn't have to hide. You didn't have to lie, cheat, and steal, and take non-refundable this and strong-arm people and record memorandums of contract and steal people's houses and all the bottom feeder stuff that most wholesalers have to do. You do it right the first time. Build value every single time. Boys and girls, I hope you found value this week. I will catch up with you next week. In the meantime, learn to earn. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn.